Job demands, family, friends, time for yourself, they're all important. So how do you create balance in your life? I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, and this is the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. Each month, this podcast features faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. And on this episode of the Learning Together podcast series, an engaging conversation on how to live a balanced life, featuring Trinity University chaplain Alex Cerna Wallander, class of 2008, and the University Counseling Services psychologist, Dr. Lori Kinkler. They'll explain how to think about the concept of balance, explore what balance and imbalance might look like in your own life, and discuss tips for bringing more of a balance to your own life when needed. Well, Dr. Lori Kinkler, it is a pleasure to be with you and having a conversation with you today about living a balanced life. And that feels like a Herculean topic to cover and one we probably won't even begin to scratch the surface of, but excited to be in conversation with you about this. Excited to be here. I always love a conversation with Chaplain Alex. (laughs) So yeah, so let's dive in. Like, what is a balanced life? How do we define balance? What does a balanced life mean? Well, I mean, I think it means different things to different people, right? You know, when I think about a balanced life, I think about there are so many different, I guess, facets to fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's like social fulfillment, there's career fulfillment, there's spiritual fulfillment, mm-hmm. um, financial fulfillment, and maybe family fulfillment, mm-hmm. as well as self-care, right? And, and probably we don't have enough hours in the day to, to, to do a little something geared towards every single one of those things. So I don't know. I think having a balanced life means picking a few of those things each day to kind of focus on and, and to make sure that you're not doing too much of one thing at least. But I think all of those things should sort of be in rotation over time as much as possible so that we're not leaving anything out. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think about big balance and little balance in some ways. It's like on the micro scale, like how am I in the in the middle of all the chaos that is swirling around me, finding a sense of rootedness or centeredness in this moment, in this day? Um, and then, you know, how do we zoom out and think about what are the ebbs and flows of our living rhythms that really help us find balance. And I think, you know, you know, and I think those are interconnected. It's like, how do we find rootedness in the moment that then helps us sort of craft the tapestry mm-hmm. of, of balance across our sort of our daily living? It sounds like quite a task. It's interesting to sort of have this conversation in the middle of a pandemic, like when everything feels so out of balance. How has the pandemic, how has this past season really sort of manifested um, or how have you seen it manifest in balance? I will say from the perspective of, of someone who's talking with a lot of, of, of students mm. who are, are living through this pandemic, it's a lot harder for them to find balance right now because 
these these sort of structures aren't in place that usually are in place to to promote kind of you know wearing different hats and so a lot of folks are kind of in their dorm rooms from the moment that they that they wake up to the moment that they go to sleep and they're sort of like well if I'm in my room I might as well be doing work and before they know it you know it the, the sun is going down and and it's time for them to sleep again and so I think that for certain populations, the pandemic has made balance a lot more difficult. I also think about our uh, working parents mm-hmm. and, you know, kids at home doing distance learning and uh, trying to, to manage kind of what feels like two full-time jobs. And then, and then to have a conversation about balance in the midst of that is sometimes laughable. <laughs> for that that population. Um, And so I do think that the pandemic has brought all new challenges to this concept of of a work-life balance or living a balanced life in general. Um, It's sort of like when you throw a pandemic in the mix, how are you going to focus on on anything that looks like that? Have you noticed that as well? I have, you know, and I think one of the things I was noticing early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of some ways good permission giving it's like we are in a pandemic and it's okay to not achieve at the same level or produce at the same level or function at the same level and something i've noticed as this pandemic has just dragged on is in some ways that permission giving has slowly creeped away um and i think in, you know as we look towards you know months still in which we are navigating the depths of a pandemic. And I think in some ways needing to be reminded of that permission giving that it's like, we are still in a pandemic and to try to function or be or navigate um, the world in the same ways that we did in 2019, like, you know, is is, is not realistic and sort of giving ourselves um, and others and those who work with us and those to serve alongside us with that grace and permission. I think that's a really good point. Uh, Everything looks a little bit different now than it did in April when when it was new and we were all sort of like, oh, you know, we just need to give ourselves some grace and give everybody else some grace and sort of like uh, this expectation for life to go on uh, normally when it's really really not normal. But I do think also that this concept of, of kind of fulfillment, the expectations for fulfillment need need to be different in a pandemic. So for example, social fulfillment, you know, yeah. we're not necessarily going to be able to go to that dinner party or that play date. Um, but can we find, can we find happiness and joy in a, in a more creative connection, whether it's over Zoom or a phone call or, you know, standing six feet apart outside wearing masks. Um, I, I think that that's really hard for some people. And I think a lot of people are, are sort of thinking, you know, no, that's just not really enough. And so I'm just going to hole up and wait until mm. there's a vaccine. And, and, and at this point, you know, it's gone on too long for that. You've got to find creative ways to, to find that connection and, and be okay with what you can get. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece is this like, in some ways, redefining uh, fulfillment for ourselves. I, you know, I remember there was a a moment where I decided, oh, I need to start living again in some ways. 
yeah because it's like oh this is going to be over and it's like oh it's not you know Mm-hmm. In a previous conversation we were having, you brought up the idea of social media. And I think there's some interesting connection there about it's not feel, it doesn't feel like it used to, or there isn't enough time. And so I might as well just not do it all together. And in some ways, I think um, it's like, yeah, what is that small step, that little thing that like um, can help move things forward. Right. And so similarly, you know, when I'm thinking about myself personally, before the pandemic, uh, my, you know, for me and my family, I have two small children and living a balanced life and, and feeling that my life had fulfillment or value often meant adventuring. Yeah. You know? It really meant um, visiting a museum or trying out maybe an amusement park not too far away or something like that. And, and, reveling in those new experiences, especially watching my children have new experiences. And so obviously there's some loss. There's a feeling of loss there that, that, that those things can't happen anymore. But at some point I've had to replace that feeling of loss with um, an appreciation for the adventure that is our home, you know, <laughs> the, the, the adventure that is adventure in small things, if you will. And so, again, in a previous conversation, we were talking about in, in, in my household, we have a pecan tree in our backyard. And this this year it's producing very heavily. And so we have this great adventure every day of every few hours going outside and looking for pecans that have dropped you know, into the grass in the backyard and gathering, see, seeing who can gather more pecans. And it's great fun for us. And if you had asked me a year ago, if we would have thought that was adventure, we would have laughed. But there is something great about it. And then, of course, when the kids go to bed, I shell pecans all night. And that is very cathartic for me for some reason. You know, it's a process of a, there's something is produced as a result. I have the pecans to show for afterwards. I put them in the freezer and I and I can see how many pecans I have accumulated over time. It's almost like a meditative process for me. I think it's important for people to find the, the fulfillment in the small things. You kind of have to because there's not as much opportunity for big things these days. Yeah, that reminds me, uh, a favorite poem of mine by uh, Wendell Berry is called The Peace of Wild Things. It goes something to the effect of When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and I lie down where the woodrake rests in the beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, And I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light for a time. I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Yeah, and I think finding those moments of stillness, those moments of rest, those moments in some ways of getting away, of stepping outside of what we normally are about, I think is a real in some ways for me is a real reset to balance and it really helps me to find uh, rootedness again. 
we have been forced to find a more internal sense of rootedness mm. in some ways. Um, it's not being handed to us by external factors the way that, that that might normally happen. I love your poem. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and something this conversation is making me think of, and I think, you know, you probably notice this in conversations with students as well, is um, in some ways waiting for life to begin instead of uh, recognizing life that is now, uh, waiting um, for fulfillment or balance uh, in some far off distant place instead of what it means to really find it in this moment. I'm I'm curious what that has looked like or sort of in your conversations, what that ha- how that has manifested. Oh, yes. I mean, that is so relevant because I, I think especially when we think about college students and particularly at, at a community like Trinity, there's a lot of pressure to kind of overachieve and produce some quality work. And a lot of folks that come to me say, you know, well, my plan really is to just work hard, as hard as I possibly can. And then someday I'll get a job and I'll be comfortable and then I will relax. Then I'll be able to relax. And that's a lovely thought, except that life is happening now (laughs) and there's no guarantees, right? That you're going to get to this supposed goal. The other thing that's hard about that is that, you know, college is a time of of academic development for sure, but there's a lot of other forms of development that are going on for emerging adults, like social development and identity development. But finding a work-life balance and practicing that work-life balance while you're in college is is really important because otherwise, if you're so used to doing nothing but work, you know, once you get that career, once you get that job, once you get comfortable and you're like, okay, well, it's time to relax, you might you might kind of think to yourself, wait a minute, I don't know how to relax or relaxing feels uncomfortable. And I think that that's how we get into this workaholic mode. And I think that's relevant, not just for college students as well. There's, there's a expectation from our capitalistic society, perhaps, uh, you know, to work year round 40 hours a week and you get maybe two weeks paid time off. And that's like the dream. And so it's this representation of kind of work hard and then you get a small break at some point in this 12-month period, that's, you know, really hard to maintain. That's that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to a sense of unhappiness and imbalance. And, and so I, I really think that work-life balance needs to more, be more of a, of a daily process or maybe a weekly process rather than thinking of it as over the lifetime or even over the course of a year. I talk with students about that a lot, and it can be really eye-opening for yeah. folks who are in that age group. You know, connected to that is inviting people to really discover, like, what is it that sparks joy, sparks excitement, sparks a sense of purpose or meaning, both inside and outside of what they are doing for class or for work? Um, you know, because work can very much be meaningful, and it's great to find work that is fulfilling but that can also always be a little pernicious because then it's like when you're not doing it you're like oh am I like not am I wasting my time or energy there's a a beautiful little book called let your life speak by uh Parker Palmer and there's he has a line and there's the effect of like self-care is never like a selfish act it is simply good stewardship of the only gift 
I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. Anytime we can listen to our true self and give the care it requires, we do it not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. Yeah, I think about that as a way in which we are in returning to ourselves and discovering what it is in our true selves that sparks awe, sparks a, a moment of light and joy, allows us to better inhabit the spaces in which we are in and with others. And, and I would argue that our, our fulfillment in other realms of life depends upon our, our own self-care in many ways. But there certainly is the stigma that it, that it is selfish. And so I'm glad that we're talking about that. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Reverend Alex Cernow-Wallander and Dr. Lori Kinkler. You know, the other place of real growth for me, and I think for a number of people, is how do we notice like when we are out of balance? Because sometimes I feel like I get caught in a trap of go, 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 do, do, do. And, you know, I have... Yeah, and I then notice some unhealthy behaviors like stress eating that like, it's like, oh wait, that is my cue to be like, oh no, I need to like reevaluate what's going on here in this moment. Right, right. And, and, I, and I think that that's different for everyone. For some people, it's the stress eating. For me, it's the stress shopping, online shopping. Like I, I know that when I'm in a frenzy of, do I hit the buy now button or not? There's probably something else going on for me. And, but you know, I think the fact that we're talking about what it is for each of us is really important because noticing yourself and your triggers, that's half the battle right there. And I think a lot of folks walk around feeling perhaps unhappy or unfulfilled or imbalanced and really not understanding that they feel that way or what that's about. Um, and so, yeah, I think being able to slow down and process what is happening and, and to, to notice that something is off is is really the first step. Like, that's really important. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that living, as we said, living a balanced life looks different for different people. Um, and so I think it, it's hard to prescribe kind of what's going to work for person, but I do think that brainstorming this idea of what is going to spark joy for you, what is going to feel fulfilling for you, it's important to have those conversations. Like, what are you not getting enough of in your life? And what are some creative ways that you can create that for yourself? Not just, again, long term, but, you know, every day or every week at least. Um, and I think some people just think, oh, I, I just don't have time for that. There's just not enough. You know, there's, I don't have the bandwidth for that. Uh, so it, it can be really hard to, to slow down and, and notice and think about these things. You know, and I think uh, a piece of that too is 
uh, not having to do it necessarily all on your own, uh, but doing it in community as well, inviting uh, some trusted friends or those who know you to come alongside you and help you notice your blind spots, uh, help you brainstorm and think uh, from their experiences of you, what this could look like. Um, the beautiful Quaker practice of like discernment circles. And, and really it's just inviting others to listen alongside you to be thought partners in what it is that brings, um, where are the places that maybe they've been noticing imbalance in uh, your own life, but also like, hey, what are some of their things that they've seen you really light up about and really sort of speak into mm. um, that moment? And it's a really vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Too. Yeah, I think that that would be pretty anxiety provoking for some people. Um, yeah, but even I think even just having a one person who is able to help be that sounding board for you can be such a gift. Right, engaging, engaging in these conversations and taking the time to not just think about it, you know, while you're trying to fall asleep at night, um, but, but having a, you know, connecting with people mm -hmm. over this universal need for balance. Well, I think in something that you mentioned earlier that I just, I think it's important for us to acknowledge is like, none of us are perfect at this. And this is a, a lifelong journey. Um, there's a, both a need for, you know, accepting where we are at any given moment and being at peace with that, but also having grace with ourselves. Um, it's like sometimes our perfectionism then can go over to work-life balance. Am, am I achieving perfect work-life balance? And then, you know, it's like, no, like that won't be, but, um, mm -hmm. but what are those, you know, what is that small next step, that next thing I could do today, tonight, tomorrow, that helps me on this journey. Right, right. There are some days when balance is not happening for me. And, you know, yeah, you don't want this to be one more thing on your to-do list. Uh, it, it, it's, I think it's okay to notice that there are some days that it's just not happening and, and forgive yourself and forgive the universe and notice those feelings and go to sleep and try again the next day. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of pressure on themselves, particularly during these times to, to make it all, to make it all happen. And um, I mean, we, we are experiencing a lot of loss mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And so I, I definitely think it's okay to be kind with mm -hmm. ourselves, to acknowledge that and, process that and be kind to ourselves as we as we move through this this period of time so as we sort of come to the end of our conversation i'm wondering like what are some practices that either you engage in or that you have seen others engage in that could be helpful sparks uh, knowing that you know this looks different for everyone but you know from where I come from, like the idea of practice or ritual can be really beautiful and an engaging part of sort of helping build in um, some balance. And so I'm curious what you've noticed. Right. Going back to the example of shelling pecans, the reason why I know that this is something that brings me a sense of peace or self-care is that it's something that I look forward to. It, mm -hmm. It's not something that's on my to-do list. It's something that I, you know, very much... Um, have waiting for me 
when all the other stuff gets done. And and so that, yeah, I think that looks different for everyone and, and to be able to be creative about that and say, okay, what might you look forward to? Mm-hmm. The other thing about it, an important aspect of these practices is, as I said before, that it's kind of meditative, that, that whatever you're doing, it's not so all encompassing that you don't have a chance to think your thoughts and kind of be with yourself. So, I mean, and, and which isn't to say, you know, you know, something like watching TV and that can be certainly very fulfilling for folks and, and, and that can be their, their form of self-care. And, and I don't, I don't think that we should invalidate that. Um, but certainly it's a little bit less reflective. There's, there's less opportunity for reflection. And, um, so I, I think back to a personal experience of mine. I had a roommate who was a runner and I hadn't really known runners before that. And um, I just assumed that her running was about physical fitness and that she was an athlete. I came to realize after some time that her running was her form of meditation. It was her form of self-care. You know, she would get to get outside and be with herself and with her thoughts and feel that sense of euphoria that runners talk about after they kind of hit their stride. And, you know, she'd come back feeling really rejuvenated, really recharged. And the great thing about this practice for her was that it was portable. You know, she can do that no matter where she is. If she's on a business trip, she can still go for a run every day. And so I think presenting that as an example, understanding what this practice is really about, you can imagine a lot of creative ideas like crocheting and or knitting or painting, even reading a, a good book sometimes. You know, these are things that you kind of you look forward to and you you spend some time with yourself and your thoughts. And it helps you to feel a little bit more present in, in, in your life and in that moment when so much of the rest of the day is just kind of blowing by you and you're in it and you're not really thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, I know for me, one of my favorite practices that, you know, I schedule it in my calendar. And so it's 15 minutes of a midday Sabbath. So just a random 15 minutes kind of somewhere on my calendar where it's like, okay, my job is to literally wander either through, I'm lucky to work in a beautiful building like Parker Chapel and have a lovely meditation garden attached. The point is to do nothing else for that 15 minutes, except to be, to wander, to just kind of get lost. Um, Mm-hmm. in that time, you know, and sort of having that built into the rhythm of my day has always been just such a gift. And it's not much, but it is, it's just that little piece. Um, there's another really beautiful book called The Artist Way. One of the wonderful practices it recommends is morning pages. So spending the first 15 to 20 minutes of the morning just free writing, whatever thoughts are on your mind, first thing in the morning, just putting those out onto paper, um, the beautiful, the hard, the anxiety producing, the joyful, and just sort of giving that space in life. And I think that has, you know, also been something I've, you know, seen others just really enjoy. Yeah. And you can imagine uh, so many of these ideas are wonderful. And you can imagine that for one person, it would feel like a to-do list item, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and for others, it, it would be very exciting and fulfilling. And so I think every person needs to find that thing for themselves that brings a sense of 
of joy and fulfillment and groundedness, but doesn't feel like a burden. Exactly. And the permission to like, not have to have it all figured out Mm -hmm. um, right this minute, but you know, that small next step, that next right thing on this journey. Well, Dr. Kinkler, it has been such a joy to chat with you, to have this time together. Um, It is a gift to get to work with you and for us to be part of this Trinity community. So thank you. Thank you, Chaplain Alex. It has been lovely. And I'm so glad to be involved in this. And I love every opportunity I have to work with you. And I wish we could do it face-to-face in real life. Indeed. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kinkler. Um, Yeah, have a lovely rest of your day. Okay, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.